Jalen Brown out versus Utah. Marcus Smart, lazy trade discussion about him going on again. And I have a conversation with Locked On Jazz host and founder of the network, David Locke, about the upcoming Jazz game. We'll talk about it right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. I'm on mama. I'm on my baby, ma. Anything's possible. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Ooh. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Glad you're ending the week with me and making this show your first listen every day. Lockdown Celtics free, available everywhere podcast exists, and it's on YouTube. Please watch the show on YouTube. You get to see the T-shirts that I'm wearing and my cool little setup that's always evolving. And, you know, we just get to smile and say hi to one another. Hi. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. It's Friday. I'm giddy. Uh, I'm John Corrales. I cover the team for Boston Sports Journal. And I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. Great holiday gift. Pick one up wherever you can buy books online. All right, let's get to the news first. Later on, segments two and three, David Locke. It's locked on. It's named after him. He created the network. I talked to him about the Utah Jazz game coming up Friday, later tonight. Uh, When we get to there, he's going to handle things. He's going to do the hosting duties. Because when we have a conversation, he he handles that. Uh, so that's coming up in segments two and three. Fun conversation. It's going to be a lot. Of, it's, it's fun. Uh, but let me get some housekeeping out of here first. Jalen Brown out with the hamstring. Very obvious that he was going to be out in this in the uh, Utah game. If you watched any portion of his play on uh, what was it uh, Wednesday night, that he was not. Uh, himself. He clearly a couple times was hopping around, grabbing at the hamstring. Scal saw it early. We all saw it out there. Uh, and so I'm, I'm wondering how many games he's going to be out, not whether he's coming back against Portland. I will be surprised if he comes back against Portland. So I said in yesterday's podcast, I would be shocked if he played in this game. He's not playing in this game. Uh, Marcus Smart is, and there was a, a column written in the Globe which just came out of nowhere and said, Hey, you know, it's time to shake things up and it's got to be Marcus smart's got to go. And like, it felt so mistimed, like after, after a win against Philly where Marcus smart was good and selective with his shots and took a couple of, you know, was two of seven, but Hey, you know, a couple of tough ones there, but like generally speaking was in control, had eight assists. I thought he played well. I think everyone, who's been watching recently has seen a long stretch of Marcus smart playing well, kind of playing the way we would want him to play. And I I can tell you, I I know this is how I know Marcus smarts playing well because the usual trolls in the, in the YouTube comments 
are not even asking for Marcus Smart to be traded. You might still want him to be traded. And I'm sure some of you are going to chime in and say, yeah, of course I still want him to be traded. But haven't heard the Marcus Smart vitriol in one of the most vitriolic places on earth, YouTube comments. But if they're not, if Marcus Smart isn't being, if Marcus Smart trade demands aren't being made in YouTube comments sections, then they probably shouldn't be made in the Boston Globe. But they were. And, you know, yeah, I'm challenging a colleague because I thought the take was kind of like a little, eh, now? Really now? Like, you're going to make this argument after he's been playing well? After the team has kind of picked up its defense? After Marcus Smart has been at the center of a lot of great defensive plays? That's what you want to do? I don't see it. You want to say he can't be a playmaker after he he had eight assists against Philly when your team shoots 41%? That's when you want to say he's not a playmaker after he has a stretch of some of the you know best passing of his career, the best sustained passing of his career. Let me I know he came in averaging 5.7 assists uh, a game. Let's let's just casually look up the Marcus Smart uh statistics here. Because I thought that he's he's been playing really well, 5.8 now, which is a tick above a career high now. He has he started off a little slow. The entire team started off a little bit slow. Uh, smart, 5.8 assists, building back up to 5.8 assists. I think that's important. Hey, by the way, today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps save you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you do not want or need. They can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. So uh, look, at smart's the easy target. I don't I don't see why now, but it doesn't take much work to go onto basketballreference.com and say, "Okay, oh, his assist percentage is 24.6%. Oh, his assist percentage is the highest point of his career." Okay, cool. Um his true shooting percentage is at 49.8%. He's not shooting well, but you know, he's had one, two, three, four seasons that were worse. This is worse than the last three seasons, but it's really not that far off. It's only 4% true shooting wise. It's only about 4% off last season. Uh, that's that's easily, that, that can be made up, especially this early of the season. So his, his shooting can can get better. I expect it to get better. His, you just go across the board like, oh, he's rebounding better. Total rebounds, his assists are, you know, his steals are up from last year. Um, his turnover percentage is a tick, a tick high. It's okay, fine. His usage is really low, 16.3. So he's he's stopped with a lot of the shots that he had been taking before taken before. Um it the numbers across the board make it look like, yeah, he's he's th- th- this is not a Marcus Smart issue. And I'm a Marcus Smart guy. That's that's no like I admit I see Marcus Smart. I see a lot of the good in Marcus Smart, and I'm I'm much more willing to excuse away some of the bad plays, some of the bad decisions, the heat check stuff. That you know, everybody's like, oh, here comes the Marcus Smart heat check. We haven't seen a lot of Mar- Marcus Smart heat checks recently. Uh, he's been very selective. I I don't think that. Smart is falling into a lot of the same traps that he was before. I think he's playing, trying to do what he what Emi Odoka wants. 
very often, even in, in the, the Philly game, when the Celtics were really walking the ball up a lot, Smart, even after makes, was just kind of like, Give, come on, let's go, let's go, and pushing the ball up the floor. You just got to watch these games more closely. You just got to watch them more closely and see the impact that he's having. Smart is trying to move the ball. Smart is passing the ball. Uh, when they're at full strength, when they do have Jalen Brown, Smart, Smart has really taken a step back. He knows that he's got Rob to throw his lobs to. He knows that he's got Al Horford there for pick and pops. He knows he's got two dynamic wings on either side. He doesn't have, he doesn't feel the need to take shots. If there's anything that you can criticize Marcus Smart for, it's when he feels like the Celtics are shorthanded, he's like, I can do this. And he, he really tries to fill that gap rather than just keep, play, keep playing the same way. Yeah, maybe you take a couple extra shots, but don't, don't go gung-ho with, okay, Jalen's out. Well, now I'm going to take 16 shots. There will be games to take your 16 shots, and, and, and that's fine. I'm not saying Marcus Smart is beyond criticism. He's, is he the best point guard in the league? No. Is he a good point guard? Yeah, I think Marcus Smart's a good point guard. And, and I don't think there should be a rush. And let me wrap it up by saying this. I'll just say this. Marcus Smart's not untradeable. I'm not sitting there saying you got to protect Marcus Smart at all costs. Like no one on this team is untradeable, right? I mean, you could say, well, what about Jason Tatum? Well, if you, if the Milwaukee Bucks said, "Here's Giannis," then you'd say, "Okay, see you, Jason." Like that's what it would take. But no one on this team is untradeable. Marcus Smart included. But if you really know what's going on with the CBA, you look at Marcus Smart and you say, "Look, he has got value. He has an A plus skill." which is his defense. His passing is pretty good. He, he can play in this system. He can do a good job, right? So he's a good player. He's a good basketball player. He makes decent money, but it's not crazy. Like you look at him and he's like, oh my God, it's 14 and a half. He's making 17 million next year. In relation to the salary cap, that's really not that much. It's really not that much. It's not a huge percentage of the salary cap. So the contract is tradable and it's a perfect number to to use for uh, uh, a bigger a bigger superstar type of deal. So if you want to move Marcus Smart as part of a deal to get like that third star, if you determine we want that third star in Boston and he's got a big salary, $30 million salary, and Marcus Smart's part of that deal, that, that's that's the deal. That's when you go for Marcus Smart. You don't deal Marcus Smart because like, eh, we need to shake things up a little bit. That's not That's not when you deal Marcus Smart. That's not when you, you don't just throw away an asset like that. You don't just take money out of your wallet and be like, ah, I need to shake things up again and throw it away. You don't do that. You use your assets wisely. So if you're going to trade Marcus Smart, it better be for an upgrade. Because if you just throw them away just because, eh, I feel like we need to shake things up, then stay away from basketball. You're not a good GM. Forget it. That's that. That's the Marcus Smart conversation. And when I come back, uh, it'll be David Locke in charge because we're getting into the Celtics Utah Jazz conversation. That was a fun 20 minute or so conversation with me and David. So that's going to span over the rest of the podcast. So stick around for that. First, I got to tell you about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Ah, it's a scam. They're out to get you. They want your money and they make it hard for you to cancel subscriptions. It's a new app now that helps identify and stop paying for subscriptions you do not need, the ones that you do not want, and the ones that you forgot about. 
hey, six months free. And then six months later, it renews and you're like, oh no. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Subscriptions are hard to cancel. Truebill makes it simple. When you link your accounts, they'll go ahead and cancel it. Anything you don't want in one tap. They've also got the Truebill concierge that just takes care of it on your own. I've had these subscriptions renew. I've seen hundreds of dollars in my account just disappear. Like, whoa, what's that? I forgot about that. And then I got to go and take care of all that myself. If I had Truebill at that time, wouldn't have happened to me. Two million users, more than two million users, have saved more than $100 million. So do not fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. A little Locked On crossover edition before the Friday night Jazz Celtics game. Celtics fans, nice to meet you. I'm David Locke. Jazz fans, you know who I am. I'm your first listen. (laughs) Let me introduce you to a good friend of mine who's been with our network from the very, very beginning. His name is John Corrales. He's hosted Locked On Celtics since I was walking around a softball field, sitting on some bench in some far off <laughs> and Jay King into coming on the network, John Corrales. Let's do a little crossover today. Let's do it. Let's do it. Wow, man. This it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, all right. Hey, look, first things first, no Jalen Brown. Yeah. Is, so we, yeah. I was really surprised by that. He played against Philadelphia. I thought we were getting you at full strength. You don't seem so surprised in that from the first segment. No, I saw him. I was talking to my podcast uh, yesterday that I saw him a couple of times. He had one drive. You know, he, he goes down that little that little cleared pathway, and he, he's hopping along, and he's grabbing at his, his hamstring. And then it seems like it's okay. And the very, very last possession with the Celtics were, were just playing great. He's, he's defending Embiid like he's going up against a blocking sled. I mean, he's really hammering Embiid. And at the end, when everybody's celebrating, he's off in a corner, kind of hopping up and down. And so I knew I, I'm not, I wouldn't even say that I'm surprised that he's going to miss this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to miss this next game. I'm wondering when or if he's going to play on this road trip. That's, that's what I think. So doing the prep that I do, I saw that Jason Tatum actually plays better when Jalen Brown is off the floor than on the floor this year. <laughs> Jason Brown is on the floor. Jason Tatum shoots 36% and 23% from three. And when Jalen Brown is off the floor, he shoots 42%, 35% from three. Not great, but better. He actually scores more in the same amount of time. Um, why is that? And does this free Jason Tatum in some way? Well, I mean, part of it is they need him to score more when Jalen is out. So that's some of it. Some of it's you don't get into quite the same rhythm, and some of it is that they haven't played the same. Uh, they haven't played together um, in this manner. You know, usually there's been a you know a Kemba or even a Kyrie. This is their first kind of go around together, and they're both being challenged to become playmakers. And then Jalen's missed you know almost half the season with with this hamstring issue. So they're they're still a very much a work in progress together. I think last night uh, against Philly. I saw them run two pick and rolls together, which is as many as they've run together all season, I believe. So they're, they're slowly trying to work those guys together. So when Jalen's out, it's Dennis Schroeder. 
that that comes in and and does some scoring, but it's it's a lesser scorer and there's more role players. Schroeder then come goes to the bench rather than comes off the bench. And who comes in? It's either Romeo, who's not going to handle much of the scoring load. It's going to be Grant Williams, who's not going to handle much of the scoring load. So there is definitely more on Tatum. He has to do more to make up for Jalen's absence. So the Jazz have the greatest defensive player in the world. Maybe the greatest defensive player this league has seen in like 20 years. traded for Draymond? Stop. <laughs> the, uh, but the Celtics don't go to the rim. They do not. At That's all. That's a problem. Actually, it might not be a problem considering right. that Gobert is there. But so is uh, this the night of the year that the fact that the Celtics are allergic to the rim means that they don't have to venture into the mean, nasty place where women and children are not allowed to go by themselves, where school kids get eaten alive, called Gobert Land, which is the paint of the opposing team's offense inside Vivint Arena. So let me let me ask you this. Let let me flip it around on you. The Celtics are starting Robert Williams and Al Horford. Who is he going to guard? Is he guarding? Is he guarding Al? They're going to put. It feels like they're going to put him in pick and roll, and try to pick and pop with Al and draw him out, and maybe have Schroeder get to the rim that way. Schroeder, if Schroeder's starting, Schroeder gets to the rim. I wonder if they're going to try to pick and pop him out of the out of the paint a little bit, or if he's going to guard Rob, then he's going to have to really, you know, that, I think that plays more into Gobert's strength for sure. But who is he going to guard? Well, I, I don't know the answer. Uh, first, the fact is that Rudy's having actually an unbelievable year on the pick and roll. Like if you Rudy's defending the pick and roll, whether it's pick and pop or that, that's actually not really that big a problem for Rudy anymore. He's gotten good enough at getting back after the shooter. Part of it is having a nine foot seven standing reach that you don't have to go as far as somebody sure. does. And so by, unless Schroeder's going to really be able to penetrate all the way in the lane, get to the rim and throw back out to somebody Rudy's going to has been able to do that. I think the numbers last I checked and I haven't checked it today. They were at 0.75 points per pick and roll defensively. Anytime Rudy Gobert's involved last year, when he had what was arguably the def best defensive year anyone's had in maybe ever, he was at 0.85 points per pick and roll. So the way people have been able to try to attack Rudy is actually stretch him out on the weak side and then drive on the other side, but involving him in any actions is just not a very good idea. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it is going to be tough for sure, no matter what happens with, with Gobert. You know, let me ask you this about Gobert, because this is a super interesting stat that I saw. This year, 28% of his offense is coming in the 3 to 10 foot range, which is seems to be like a new wrinkle. Now, I watched some of the Jazz earlier this season. I haven't watched in, in, in the past couple of weeks. Feels like the Jazz are trying to do a little more offensively, differently with with Gobert. It might be like a little more playoff type of Gobert offense, and he's shooting fifty two percent in that three to ten range. What's that about? So there's no question that the prop Rudy's weakness is that when teams switch one through five, he gets a little on him. In this case, would be Marcus Smart, who's not little, or Dennis Schroeder, who is probably little, and he doesn't take advantage of it, and that's. Right. Certainly a major problem that the Jazz have to address. The, the misnomer on Rudy is that he actually gets played off the floor defensively. That's really not true at all. The problem the Jazz have defensively is when someone goes one through five out, can guys actually guard their yard? And not enough of our guys guard their yard and didn't against the Clippers. The problem is on the offensive side when teams switch, and, I, and I'm guessing you're aware of this, but the Boston Celtics switched the second most of any team in the NBA. So we will, see that, we will see that tonight. 
uh, is when you switch one through five and suddenly Conley comes off the pick and Dennis Schroeder or Marcus Smart is now guarding Rudy Gobert. Rudy's got to be able to get into the lane and punish them. And that's something he just has not been able to do, and they're trying to do more of it. He did a pretty nice job at the Olympics in a very different game with only five fouls and not always against NBA players when he did it for France, and they're hoping to parlay that in. And frankly, Rudy wants more. Like, Rudy wants more. Rudy wants the ball more. He wants to be more involved. He wants to be more active on the offensive end. He's not content with just being a pick-setting defensive player. One thing to watch for in that one through five switching is the Celtics are getting a lot better at scramming and pre-switching. So you have a situation where maybe you're looking for a certain mismatch. You're starting to get into, you can, they, they can see that the jazz, okay, here they come. They're going to, they're going to pick on this. They want this pick and roll. We're going to pre-switch this, whoever they're targeting out. So now you're involving different defenders in the pick and roll and Rudy is switching on to somebody else. So for example, Schroeder is a guy they want to pick on. They pre-switch smart. And now all of a sudden you're involving, it, it's too late. You're in the, you're in the action. You're involving smart and smart against the big. is not the mismatch that most bigs think that, that it is. So uh, very curious to see how the Celtics attack with the switching and, and what they do pre-switching some of these actions as, as they see what, what uh, the Jazz are trying to do. I, I will say that the Celtics' defense has gotten a lot more intricate in a very short span. And like they, they started the season, the first couple of weeks of the season, and every story around here was, oh, you switch so much. Why do you switch so much? And it was basically him just flooding them with the this is how you switch kind of mentality, put that into their DNA. And then he he folded in all of this more traditional stuff. And now they've got a handle on all this more traditional stuff because that was second nature, right? That All that traditional defense is all second nature to these guys. He got them to do the uncomfortable stuff first and get comfortable with that. Now you work the other comfortable stuff in and now they can do it, you know, a, a lot more easily. So, so the way they defend Utah is going to be really interesting. Well, it's really interesting because this begin the Jazz. So the Jazz are the number one offensive team in the NBA. the The talking point here has been how far off the offense is, because they haven't been hitting threes. The way they've been the number one offense in the league is they offensive rebound, they go to the free throw line. They're number one in the league shooting at the rim. They're number one in the league shooting on the floaters, and they're number like three in the league on long twos. And they take the most three. They take the fewest of those of anyone in the league. They take the most threes. So it's an interesting combination. I actually think it's analytically the perfect way to play basketball in this right. day and age. What's what's also interesting about them, they're not just the number one team in the league offensively. They're historically great. They're nine points above average. There's The last team to be nine points above average was the 72 Warriors, and then you have to go back a little bit from that. But they haven't played elite defensive teams, and this begins a stretch of playing elite defensive teams. So we'll continue with John Corrales on our crossover and figure out whether the Jazz have the offensive firepower to dislodge the Celtic defense. And then the Celtics defense has one really big problem they have to address. And we'll touch on that when we continue here on Locked on Jazz Celtics or Locked on Celtics Jazz, whichever way you prefer. Either way, thanks for making your first listen of the day. Are we going to wrap up this conversation, me and David, uh, in just a minute here. First, I got to tell you about Built Bar. I love Built Bars. I have like piles of them around my place. Sometimes I'll have them for breakfast because mornings I wake up, I sleep late, I wake up, I'm like, oh, I've got to get right back into a meeting. I've got to 
get right back to work, have a built bar, have my coffee, boom, that's great. Holiday season here, grab a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, it's a built bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich and decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but low in calories, low in sugar, net carbs, fat, high in protein, you get the best of both worlds. There are so many flavors, raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookie cream, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, awesome peanut butter brownie, gives you an extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors, battle all the holiday shoppers, or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So take one with you. Also, bring some to the family. It's a great gift or something to share, a stocking stuffer. Why not? So cozy up with something warm. Dip your Built Bar into a cup of hot cocoa. That's a new idea. I like that. Some of them have marshmallow centers. Just go to Built.com. Locked 15 will get you 15% off your order every single time. So try a couple, buy a couple. If you forget and say, oh God, I need stocking stuffers. Buy a couple of boxes. You can use Locked 15 for 15% off every time you go to Built.com. Be sure to follow our social channels at LOCeltics on Twitter and at LockedOnCeltics on Instagram. Welcome to continuing edition of the crossover. I don't do crossovers very often. It's a big deal. It's got to be really special to do a crossover. Marta, Adam Morris and I do crossovers every now and then. Like, I can't do crossovers with Brendan Clean because he's been too obnoxious about how can't have that. Can't yes. have By the way, oh, I actually have something that jazz fans need. Oh, I forgot. Before this show is over, there's like a beef that jazz fans have with you that I have to like straighten out. <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. I must have said something on Lockdown NBA that pissed people you off. And they're bitter and they don't forget. Okay, back to the note I had a minute ago. This is pretty interesting. All right, <laughs> All right hit me. Going back, this is Ben Dowsett had this. I had it too, but he did the research. So the Jazz right now are 8.6 points above league average offensively. The last team to be better than that was the 0405 Suns, who are 8.9, and the 0304 Mavericks, who were 9.1. That's for a season. This is short term. And the Jazz start a stretch here of 10 games for really the whole month where they play top half defensive teams. And so, <clears throat> frankly, from a Jazz standpoint, this is the first of a stretch of about 13 games where if the offense is still number one in the league on January 1st, like they're great. Like they actually deserve to be right now. I don't think they've done enough. The last team, the 0910 Suns were plus eight, and the 1516 Warriors were plus 8.3. So the last time we saw a team this far above average was the 1516 Warriors. Now, for all the greatness of the Celtic defense, when Jalen Brown is on the floor, your defense is a 99.8. And when Jalen Brown is off the floor, your defense is a 108.6 and in the 50th percentile. That would be the big little problem that the Celtics have going into tomorrow night. They lose one of the great defenders in the league when Jalen Brown doesn't play. It's so interesting that that's the case because he didn't play for a long stretch in that in that Celtics kind of like when they started flipping it around and they started climbing in the defensive rating. So that almost – I'm very curious to see how that makes sense. I mean, he's obviously a very good defender. Like That's very obvious. Um, and, and the Celtics, because they're very switchable and because of his size and his athletic athleticism, he makes, you know, it's one thing to switch with Jalen Brown versus 
Dennis Schroeder, who starts generally in Jalen Brown's place. So yes, that, that makes sense. Also, maybe some of that is the Celtics have had God awful first and fourth quarters. And, and that has something to do with it. And, but I think they're, they're, they've gotten maybe a little bit past some of that first quarter kind of uh, issues. We'll see Uh, going up against Utah is going to be the huge, huge test, but after typically falling behind big in first quarters, the Celtics in their last couple of games, Toronto and Philly have had leads in first quarters. Uh, Emi Odoka, after the San Antonio game where they just got blitzed out of the gates, said, look, these guys are out there trying to find their rhythm in the first quarter, and we need them to be playing the right way from, from jump. And since then, they they kind of have been trying to have that ball movement. So I don't know. It's, it's that, that stat kind of – in some ways makes sense, but I, I don't understand why it's it's that bad. Like their defense without Jalen, I've seen has been has been actually pretty good. The one I thought the one hole you were going to talk about is the the Celtics do give up a ton of offensive rebounds. If the Jazz get a ton of points off of offensive rebounds, that's going to be where you kill the Celtics. Like second chance points have been a real problem for the Celtics this season. So uh, I, I think if you're getting putbacks, then then that's where you're going to have to hang your head in this game. All right, John, help me out because this is so interesting to me. If I look at a team with Robert Williams and Al Horford, I would think to myself, okay, that team doesn't switch. They drop the big. They they seal the middle of the floor. They deny the paint, and they kind of play that analytical style defensively, and then they rebound the crap out of the ball, and they run with Brown, Schroeder, and Tatum, who are fast. That would be like, if I look at your roster, that's how I would guess you play. Yet the data tells me you switch a lot. You allow offensive rebound. Like uh, it's very contrary to what I look when I look at the roster of why it is that way, that they're playing the way they do. Work in progress. Just the work in progress. These guys are, are, are really, November is, you know, it, it's, it's shown to be a very uh, nice turnaround defensively. Offensively, they're still way, way, way behind. And we knew coming in that they weren't going to be a great offensive team, but defensively there, there is still some, uh, a lack of continuity because Jalen's been out and, and they have had some issues. Uh, the, the, the rebounds guards wings tend to turn and look and you get crashes from the corners that, that end up getting becoming put back. So yeah, Rob, Rob boxes out, Al boxes out. Uh, and and somebody comes in and keeps the ball alive or, or taps the ball out. So th- there hasn't been like a big group defensive rebounding effort. Uh, a lot of like they they they'll get a lot of rebounds. Jason uh, Tatum had 16 rebounds against the the Sixers, but you know how many of those are really like fighting for rebounds? The the Sixers shot 37, percent so there's going to be like a lot of rebounds. It's like the, the, the 1960s, like when guys were averaging 25 and 30 rebounds. Well, yeah, they took 110 shots a game. So there, there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. So I think some of the Celtics defensive rebounding numbers might be just a touch inflated. What's wrong with Jason Tatum? Oh, good question. No one knows. Um, so I think, I think honestly, there's, there's a combination of things. Um, I think he came into the season with a mindset of like, okay, I'm finally going to just get to the rim. I'm going to draw those fouls. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then the referees in the first 20 games of the season were like, now we're not calling anything. And he got really, really, really frustrated by that. 
And that fed into the spiral. Um, on top of it, he's being challenged to do something that he's totally uncomfortable with. Passing the ball at the level that Emi Odoka wants him to pass is uncomfortable. Against Toronto, he had 50-some-odd passes, 58 passes in the game, where he's normally passing it like 42, 43 times. He had uh, like 15 potential assists, where he normally has like seven or eight. He was really whipping it around, and Udoka says that was his best game of the year. That's how he wants him to play. So he's he's a natural ISO scorer being asked to play up tempo and and whip the ball around and give it up as soon as he smells a double team. And then he's already frustrated by not getting foul calls and not being able to get into a rhythm early in the season. I think he's just fed this kind of level of discomfort where he just has never been able to get fully kind of comfortable in, in his offensive game. I think it's going to take a little bit longer. We've seen him start slow before. I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to just get comfortable with the level of passing, when to pass, when to cut. Because when you pass, now you have to become a better cutter. Because you give the ball up and heads naturally turn. Now you got to go, and he doesn't go. That's like the next thing. He can get a ton of easy baskets and get into rhythm that way. So he's a 23-year-old being asked to do something that's just been kind of foreign to him. And it's it's basically been disruptive and uncomfortable. That's particularly interesting to hear because uh, I remember Scal last year might have been unlocked on Celtics, might have been just in conversation, saying, like, when asked what was wrong with the Celtics, he's, well, they don't pass. Like, none of these guys know how to pass. They don't pass. So, right. you know, it sounds like Adoka's right in what he's asking them to do to solve the problem from a year past. Here's the thing with the Celtics. You've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And I said early on on the podcast, this is a an evaluation year. Right. What what do you have with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? And this is where you've got to make this decision. Do you have in them your one and one A? Do you have a guy in Tatum that's your MVP candidate that you need? Do you have Jalen Brown, that one A scoring option? And do you go and get like a Drew Holiday type of deal like Milwaukee did? Or are they just two guys who are just great ISO scorers and you need to get a third star that puts it all together? That's what the evaluation of this team is this year. And Eme's challenge to Jason Tatum is, if you are going to be that MVP candidate, yeah, you can go and drop your 30 and 40-point nights, but the MVPs make their teammates better, and you're not doing that yet. We need you to do that. And that's the challenge of the season. So this season isn't even about necessarily the wins and losses, which, I mean – Every season is about wins and losses, but for the you know the higher ups, this is about what do we truly, honestly have with these two wings, and how do we build towards the future? That's the only question that they need to answer right now. Uh, who do you think is better? Like, if I had to choose one, I know who I would choose. Well, look, I think I think Tatum is more dynamic. He just is capable of a lot more. Jalen Brown is a hard worker who is um, who can do like he can defend more. He's I think he's he's worked himself into uh, a great spot. I think Tatum is a more naturally better basketball player. I think Brown has made bigger strides in the NBA. So it's hard for me to say, but like if I had to pick one, I'd still say Jason Tatum is just naturally gifted a better basketball player. I'm on the other side. 
Yeah. No, I mean, look, it's a, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, God damn you. Like, that's a, no, I, I can see that. I can see that argument. But I think just smoothly, ca- casually, like just no rules, no nothing, go out there and play. I think Tatum wins. And But look, Brown, and this is to Brown's credit, he has worked himself into this conversation. Because his his rookie year to now is just such a vast improvement. It's been it's it's super impressive. I made the mistake of putting him in a box early on. I'm not going to make that mistake again. You want to say that Jalen Brown's better? I'm. I, it's hard for me to argue and get into one of those like sports talk radio like screaming matches. Like, yeah, okay, that's a fair fair argument. All right, we All got right. a pretty grip on the Celtics. What do your fans need to know about the Jazz before we wrap this up? Um, uh, okay. Uh, how how's Rudy Gay? How's he helping? Uh, he's, well, he's decided that this idea that Jordan Clarkson can shoot like every time down is super cool and he's trying it himself and he's not missing. So it's working really well. But the other night for the first time, like in eons, somebody had taken more shots in the same amount of minutes as Jordan Clarkson. And I actually didn't know that that was humanly possible. Um, cause Jordan is, um, I loved it. Um, uh, somebody, you know, some people say you're open. When you when he got off the bus, like, well, he thinks he's open when he gets off the bus. Uh, Luke Walton said that Jordan Clarkson thinks he's hot when he gets off the bus. <laughs> um, Rudy Gay's been great. He's only played seven games. He is shooting lights out, 52% for the four, 53% from three. He's figuring it out. He doesn't quite know the offense yet. He's 6'8". He can rebound. You know, he's 36 years old. So what will the 36-year-old Rudy Gay be able to do defensively? I don't entirely know. But he does, like, there is something to having a 6'8 shooter. They can get the shot off at all times. They always have a shooting window. That's been evident. And he is a ball mover, and I'll give him great credit. I admire and love players like this in this league. He loves the game. And that's why he's still playing at 36 years old with a few hundred million in the bank because he loves the game and he's become a chameleon as a player and he's figuring out how in 24 minutes do I help this team win. And it's pretty cool to see that, particularly out of a guy who was labeled early in his career just as a scorer who didn't have that to him and there's certain guys who can do it and certain guys who can't it's pretty cool to watch a guy do that all right before before i figure out why jazz fans hate me um let's quickly answer this if the jazz lose this game why uh one through five switching defense stymies the offense and the ball stops moving they play iso and don't get good look threes all right very simple uh why do you hate hassan whiteside so much (laughs) really is that why jazz fans are, are mad at me for Hassan Whiteside? Oh, my God. Okay. Hassan Whiteside. Let's just leave it there. Let's just leave it there. It's the best ending ever. We'll just – we'll never, ever answer the question because I'm not sure it's worthy of an answer. That is Locked On Celtics. That is Locked On Jazz. Thanks for making us the first listen. Tweet John Corrales at that little logo, at John underscore Corrales, if you really need to know. Have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight. Should be a really good one. Adios. And now make Locked on Bets your second listen of the day with Lee Sterling and your boy Q setting you up for all the gaming you need over the weekend. Have a great one, everyone.